I bet you thought Young People's Radio was, what, Capital, One Extra, BBC Radio One. I wanted to tell you about somebody else in that space, Wizard Radio. They've been around for a little while now, but slowly they're building into quite a phenomenon. This week's guest is James Gilmore. He set up Wizard Radio and he still presents a show on it. I'd ask you to uh, listen in for the next uh, 35 minutes or so as we speak to James Gilmore from Wizard Radio about his background, about his work, and then we ask him for his rocket fuel. First thing to say is James Gilmore, thank you so much for being this week's guest on Rocket Fuel. I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, no worries at all. James, for the benefit of the listener, you and I have spoken a few times over the years. We've met a few times. Bring to life your journey for us because it started early, right? So (laughs) tell, tell us about your journey and tell us about the beginnings of the idea for Wizard Radio. Yeah, so my journey starts 11 years ago. So I was, just to kind of paint the picture, a very bored child in year seven of secondary school. And basically at my secondary school, a few things were happening. The first thing is that every single Friday after school, we, me and my friends and a huge group of people would go to Starbucks and just hang out there for two hours. Good place to hang out. It's the place to hang out, but I found it just incessantly boring. I was quite obsessed at the same time with working out what I was going to be doing when I was older. I've always, since a really young age, kind of a time couldn't move fast enough. And then also the other kind of big cultural event that was happening uh, was, and I, I often don't relate him to my origin story probably enough, uh, was that Justin Bieber was absolutely exploding. I, I think probably it was his single baby at the time, which kind of yeah. set on fire. This thing was happening whereby you'd kind of go on the school bus after school and half of the school bus would absolutely love him. Half of the school bus would absolutely hate him, but everybody knew that they'd go home. And even if nobody said this, everybody was going home and watching the music video and listening to the song. And um, bring it to light for us, James, were you a believer or were you not a believer? I've always been a believer. I'll admit but it was it was a really interesting dynamic. Probably the first time in my life I'd come across that. So to kind of merge all these things together, I decided that on Fridays for two hours after school, I would live stream, uh, just audio only, no video, and I'd be joined by a different friend every week. And it was an opportunity to mess about, like with our other friends listening, but also for everybody to just actually like unite and resonate in the things that we all love and enjoy in a kind of anonymous way. Like the only people who weren't anonymous was me and the friend I was with every week. I was more than happy to not be anonymous in it. And then we had like, we don't have this anymore, but we had a chat room at the time, which was entirely anonymous and people could actually be themselves. 
Um, and I always say the joke that every week I'd be joined by a different friend, and after about four weeks, I ran out of friends. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, once I cycled through my friends, I started having their friends on, and then friends of friends and friends of friends and friends. And before you know, it, after about six months, I had complete strangers sat with me in my bedroom, live streaming, just kind of silly radio games and stuff online, and it just grew really organically. And, and kind of the journey from then to now is just that it's never really stopped one day after a few months one of my friends was like oh i'd love to like do my own show after you and somebody wanted to do something on a saturday and then a sunday and, and then much like how my show grew like when one of my friends couldn't do it anymore i went to somebody else and then we kind of started using the internet a bit more i think our first presenter that wasn't somebody that I knew directly was a presenter from Hungary and then in India. And we've just always really used the internet to like scout really talented young people that we think kind of have a grip on their culture and what we want to try to bring across on air. What did your parents think was going on? So Friday afternoons, you went straight back to your bedroom with, with a different friend every week. When were they aware that you would if you like got somewhere when were you they aware that this was more than people messing around in bedrooms i think i was really lucky that my parents were always supportive i think to be honest they were just happy that i was making friends <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was definitely if we started in april by that december that was when i think for like christmas that year i got a microphone or something and yeah. I think by then they started to realize I, around that same time my dad insisted that if I was going to continue doing this we needed to get a, like a PRS and a PPL license wow. um, so they were quite like you know supportive that if I want to do this I, they're happy for me to do this but that I had to do it properly and commit to it or stop wasting my time and now it's a fully fledged radio station for real lots of listeners to listen online yeah but there must be a fair gap between the one show after you and and the fully fledged radio station how long has that taken so um it's it's honestly like it's been 11 years from the start of that story to now but it's felt very fast because there's never been a singular moment when we went and decided okay, let's level this up or anything. It's been a literal 11 year climb and a gradual, right. you know, it, so it's really interesting because sometimes I'll listen back through our archives, especially, if, you know, last year was our 10 year anniversary. So I was doing a lot of that. And you would listen to two shows from six months apart or a year apart and you don't hear a huge difference. And then you go two or three years between and you start to hear it. Uh, and I think that's something that I love so much is that obviously, I think because we're speaking predominantly to young people, people grow out of our audience quite quickly on, on the radio right. station. But we have listeners who have been there for five, six years maybe, and they've seen that growth and that evolution, maybe not from day one, but we've got a really great relationship with our listeners for that reason, I think. And you're part presenter, you're part performer, you're part managing director of the radio station. Which bits of the role come most naturally to you? I'll say the bit that comes least naturally is probably the presenting bit. Okay. I've always committed to that because I think it's really important that if I'm going to lead a group of presenters and producers and claim to know something about our audience, that I should be stuck in there in the weeds with them. But that's definitely, as I, over the past few years, I've felt that 
become a bit more difficult just it's like a, a muscle that needs to be flexed a bit the bit that comes most naturally is probably the bossing people around to the managing director part <laughs> that is uh, probably the reason i lose the most hair as well but it's it's the bit that you know i, I think because we're ultimately just a group of like-minded people with the same goal and that goal has always come from me it's quite a but i think people sign up to work with us for a specific reason yeah so you mentioned the bossing people about how are you as a manager and how do you like to be managed i think i think i probably answered both of those questions the same way i like to think that i give people space and that's definitely what i like but i like to call it space with direction we need everybody pointed towards the same north star and i like to make sure that i'm always present so i try to speak to i like to have tried to have spoken to everybody once a fortnight at least or once a week if that's possible but i'm not necessarily going to be the person who's there overseeing or everything but you know i definitely i like to think i cycle through our talent roster so that everybody every few weeks feels like they've had some time and some focus have you a mentor or have you ever mentored anybody else? I have, I've had loads of mentors. We've got some really great partners um, who work with us at Whisper Radio who have who've mentored me and especially kind of over the past five years, I've had a, an amazing amount of support. Have I mentored anybody? I don't think purposefully. I think there, there have been people that maybe like I felt a commonality with, but I've identified that they're maybe slightly further behind on their journey than I am on mine. Uh, but I've never... I've gone out. Of, I don't think I've ever gone out of my way to do that yet. I think I'm still feel like I'm working out what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Have you, when you listen to Wizard Radio, you mentioned that for your 10 year anniversary, you listen back to some bits. Mm-hmm. How much innovation is there in the role, and how much importance is it being an iterative process? Do you do you like to shake stuff up, or would you rather gradually move? Um, it's interesting because I think we never, in, in kind of linking to what I was saying before, I think we never stop changing. That's how yeah. I look at it. You know, we are, although we tend to make changes in seasons, I think we definitely have times of the year when listeners will see much broader changes. The second one set of changes has finished, we're starting in the next. And I'm always looking, I think it's kind of our role as a youth media company uh, to be three steps ahead of the listener. By the time the listener thinks something is stale, that's when it's too late as far as I'm concerned. So we have to make those decisions before our listeners are thinking about it and kind of be our own harshest critic. We can't really afford to like, for it's something to feel old on air and then us to start moving on it. Do you have your eye on other projects? Let's use the term of phrase side hustles or passion projects. Was Wizard Radio quite enough for you? I mean, yes and yes. Um, <laughs> so um, we've got a sister company that we launched a couple of years ago called Wizard Talent, which is a management company and a record label as well. And that is is definitely not a side hustle because there's a huge amount of responsibility that comes with handling talent in that way. But that's been something that it has actually just been a lot of fun. I always say it's absolutely terrifying but a lot of fun because as i say having that responsibility working with other talent and them putting their faith in you in that way is it is terrifying because they're looking to you for some sort of guidance but it's um it's a lot of fun 
I was just going to say, in terms of the talent and indeed in terms of the people at Wizard Radio, what qualities do you look for in the people around you? Is there, is there, is there a commonality? Does everybody bring something different to the, to the output? How, how does that work? I think the commonality is that everybody really pushes themselves and these are people that are not willing to settle for anything less than great i try not to use the word perfect because i think that could be just an endless cycle but are people that are, are really willing to like go the extra mile but i think especially across our talent and production roster or in the media company um everybody brings some sort of different type of culture we often look for people who we really feel like are experts in their universe and so we're kind of a little bit like the not that i'm really a marvel fan but we're kind of a bit like the mcu in that we all exist in the same universe but we we know our different areas and that basically enables us to talk to a hugely diverse audience really authentically and oftentimes to talk about how i interact with our team i'm oftentimes talking to our presenters and asking them like what should i be knowing what artists or trends or pop culture stories should be on my radar because these are people who are so within their own worlds that you just get the most incredible insights sometimes in terms of getting to know you better which is is kind of the point of this first question i'm going to ask you potentially now to speak about yourself in the third person but what do you think you're known for professionally what do you think people say about you Oh God, I always say actually whenever somebody meets me and they're like, oh, I've heard about you, which doesn't happen that often, but when it does, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what have you heard? I have no idea what people must be saying about me. I think that, God, it's such a difficult question to answer, isn't it? I've, I always think that I've been quite kind of tough in terms of fighting for the things that I think as a business we should have and making sure that we have our fair share. It, we've always had like little man syndrome a little bit that we, we never, we've always thought that we are maybe smaller than we are. And we've always fought much and kind of punched much higher than we maybe should. I think that's probably the thing I, is, is that I've always been a bit of a fighter in that it's way. It's funny, the word in my head, James, having got to know you briefly over the years would be energy. I think if you combine energy with a, with a, with an underpinning of spirited, which is what I think you've said, which mm. which sounds like a word teachers use on school reports to tell people to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, energy and spirited. Do you quite like being that puppy dog yapping at people's ankles? Is there something to be said for that position? Or would you rather be that great big Alsatian? You know, I, I actually think, as strange as it sounds, I really enjoy being the person who's the most annoying person in the room. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely think that... I never entered like media entertainment to be the most liked person. I've always been there to, because as a business, we've always had a vision and I feel like I'm the one to fight for that. But I've never, I don't think genuinely entered a, a situation whereby the goal was for me to leave being like, if that's a side effect, then that's great. But it's, it's definitely not goal number one. So I'm still here with James Gilmore. He's the Managing Director of Wizard Radio. And in this part of the chat, I really want to help you, our dear listener, get to understand Wizard Radio. James, we're, we're a long, long way away from your bedroom, aren't we? Give us a flavour of scale. Give us a flavour of how many shows, how many listeners, how, how big is Wizard Radio already? 
Yeah, it's quite funny you say that because obviously due to the pandemic, I'm literally sat in the chair that I have been sitting in for 11 years. So Wizard Radio Media today, we kind of work as a two-pronged business. I always like to look at it. We have our kind of radio side, Wizard Radio Station, which is a radio station. It outputs about 40 hours of original content a week on air and also across our on-demand service, Wizard Repeats. That reaches this day kind of every week between hundreds of thousands to a million listeners a week. And it's a, it's a relatively young audience. What, the other prong to our media business uh, is wizard studios which is our podcast studio which has existed for a few years and has kind of been our real business priority i think for the past six to 12 months Um, and that is as i said a podcast network we're home to about 50 incredible podcasts from around the world that are some of them are podcasts that we've created in-house a lot of them now are podcasts we've either acquired or partnered with Um, And it's a part of the business that I'm really proud of because it's from a media perspective, one of the only parts of the business that we actually sat down one day and said, we really want to have, like, we want to create this versus the kind of organic process of growing the media company. It's proven to me that maybe we do actually know what we're doing because we were able to actually put our minds to starting something and, and doing it from scratch within the past five years. You've mentioned podcasts, so, and I did want to talk to you about podcasts. So let's do that now. It's it's a curious one, isn't it? Because we're probably on about the third podcast renaissance. I think you kind of look at the Ricky Gervais, probably uh, This American Life. And then the third one is, frankly, what changed was money. People can now generate decent revenue from podcasts. Why do you think they're suddenly, they seem so hot right now? Is it purely a because Spotify can make more money than they can from music, or am I being too cynical? No, I mean, there's definitely a big business reason behind it. I think because it's, I think the things that often become biggest are the, what's the phrase? It's like the unknown knowns or whatever it is. Everybody's known about podcasting forever and ever and ever, so it isn't a foreign thing. The idea of listening to somebody talk for, an hour. People are used to that. They used to listen to the radio. They used to listen to talk radio or watching TV, where it's as intimate an experience, I think. So it's not like a brand, brand new thing that people have to get used to, but it's massively suits the kind of on-demand lifestyle that people want to live nowadays. Um, this kind of where my difference of thought tends to be from the business perspective, I think a lot of people look at podcasting as an extension of radio. And actually I see podcasting as a very, very different thing. I think that the way you have to operate podcasting is, is actually worlds apart from operating radio. You've got me on a sweet spot. People hear radio, people listen to podcasts. I know that's a lazy turn of phrase, but is that how you broadly separate them? It's a, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. And I think that sometimes we actually damage ourselves when we associate ourselves to things that people have preconceived notions about. Yeah. There are, I've always said there is definitely a limit to the amount of people who are willing to listen to a linear broadcasting platform like Wizard Radio Station. I think the limit on people who are willing to listen to podcasts Podcasting is much higher. So I actually think that if we present ourselves as essentially on-demand radio and podcasting, we're potentially only appealing to people who would listen to radio. Whereas there are particularly young audiences who are willing to watch a Netflix series about any ad rates for an hour an episode, whereby that is the thing they are doing for that hour. And actually, I see podcasting as much more like that. 
It's fascinating. So the narrative structure needs to be different to radio. The, the, the output. Give us a, a flavor of some of the podcasts that you're working with that, you, that are part of your network. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got so many. I, I like to think the uniting factor of our podcast slate are really interesting or funny or sometimes interesting and funny people um, sitting down for half an hour to an hour just kind of chatting chatting basically and yeah. podcast also you won't find like high value scripted drama um it's gonna be stuff that uh, you know is right in there with our listeners you know one of my favorite podcasts personally is a podcast we've got called name three songs and yeah. it's hosted by these two incredible journalists sarah and jenna in new york and they kind of try to pick apart the music industry but in a way that is super accessible. The name name three songs comes from the classic thing of like a girl wearing a band t-shirt yeah. and somebody yeah. else having like nice. three songs. And the um, it's been a, a real joy to work with them because they've got such a vision for their podcast. They're so smart and knowledgeable. We have the most, just like off the podcast, them and I have the most interesting conversations. But some of the things we've been able to do with them, some of the guests we've been booking for their podcast and just some of the content they've been outputting, it's like, two people doing a New York Times 10-page profile piece every week on schedule. It's incredible. On the flip side of it, another one I love mentioning also, which is like worlds apart, is one of our podcasts, Watching the Throne, which is also a music podcast. It's a Kanye West fan podcast that even Kanye follows them on Twitter. It's like a whole world in itself. And that's hosted by two guys, Chris and Travis, who are also journalists for Forbes. And they just know, especially right now with all the drama around Kanye, is he or is he not releasing an album? Yeah. You guys know everything there is to know about Kanye and the surrounding culture, but still manage to kind of, I think, keep quite a level head on it and like know where maybe things are right and things are wrong, which is quite a unique caricature. The other one I just have to give a notable shout out as well and there's so many that i'm missing out here obviously is a podcast called the aa meeting uh which we've recently partnered with they're based in australia and And they are i'd say the first podcast where i look at the title of the episodes and i go i cannot repeat these out loud because it's so hilariously explicit but i think that What's so great about them is, is that they're really not in it for, it's not shock value, is they are talking about relatable, in this case, female experiences, that we're seeing how it resonates with people, how their kind of raw honesty is, and it's just incredible. When, when you look at any audio product, I mean, let's, let's go back to the mothership, if you like. Let's go back to Wizard Radio. There are kind of three interested parties. There's the host, i.e. Wizard Radio. There's the listener, and then there are brands, Let's focus on the listener for the time being. Kiss Radio famously did uh, Reputation by Night, Ratings by Day. Hmm. Radio 1 have specialist programming. No disrespect at all, but your bedroom and Justin Believer doesn't sound that cool. Do you have an edge at Wizard Radio or is it all bubblegum pop? What does it sound like? I often say that I don't know many people who would listen to Wizard Radio for more than two shows in a row because there's a huge diversity of content on air. And right. that's totally fine because we're really purposeful in our scheduling. I, I Much like I think maybe people after watching three hours of Netflix might need a break. 
Yeah. I think we're very much the same. What first thing I'll say is I don't think we've ever tried to be cool. I don't think we've ever tried to have an edge. I actually think that's one of the things that makes us us is that oftentimes, like across youth media, brands or publishers try to speak to young people as if it's like a monoculture of yeah. everybody into hip hop and like wearing really expensive new trainers actually that is a part of youth culture it's obviously not the whole thing and whilst we absolutely do have shows that speak to that we've got a great specialist lineup in the evenings as well actually the bulk of our content i think is speaking to the rest it's speaking to people who maybe it is pop what pop means today is a very broad thing from what it meant yeah Started. but it's just like really real and relatable and uh, i think that's why it works is we've never tried to be anything we're not i can absolutely not come out here and claim that i'm an ounce of cool and i don't think we, <laughs> we tried to be so if i listen to wizard radio and i have and if i listen to radio one and if i listen to kiss what would would i know that i was listening to wizard radio what would define the sound I definitely think. I mean, the, you'd get much more talking. Most of our yeah. shows are about 50-50. Okay. Some, even more. Some some of our shows are about 90% talk, 10% well, music. Other ones, others of our shows are about, you know, 90% music, 10% talk. But um, our, the average Wizard Radio show is a pretty even split between music and talk. I like to think of it much more as like a long YouTube vlog but instead of the ad breaks, you get a song uh, on the majority of our programming. So it's a much more intimate experience. A lot of our listeners, we find, uh, you know, it's an engaged experience. So they're probably listening to us, maybe whilst WhatsApping, maybe whilst Instagramming, but also whilst engaging with us on another platform. I see. And, and Wizard Radio is a brand. You must have been asked over the years to do Wizard Radio Live. You must have been asked to do a Wizard Radio Notebook. I'm being silly to make a point. What defines the brand? Is it stuff you do or stuff you don't do? And have you ever been dragged along on a brand extension too far? Um, we have done, attempted to do Wizard Radio Live, which is literally its name, <laughs> about, I mean, this was early on, probably about eight years ago. It was an right. absolute disaster because our headline artist, who I won't name, yeah. uh, was on the front page of The Sun for some activity about four weeks before the event. They were popular then, but obscure now. So, you know, we've definitely gone down that path. I think Wizard Radio, you know, it is a mixture, obviously, of what we do and we don't do. I think what we don't do is try to jump on a bandwagon or try to be anything that doesn't feel like authentically us to our audience or authentically the presenter that is speaking to the audience. Um, but what we definitely do is experiment and test. And we give ourselves a lot of leeway for that so that if we get it wrong, we'll hold our hands up and pull something quite quickly. But I always say that as a business, we like to lean more on trying than not trying. If there's ever a decision when we're kind of 50-50, we'll lean with like, let's give it a go and see how it goes. Because I'll be the first person to admit that I do absolutely not know what's going to be successful, what's going to work and what isn't. Do you listen to the competition? Do you? Does someone in the office have Kiss on to find out what they're up to? Do, and, and do you ever react 
to what the competition are doing or, or is it um, doing what you're up to? I, I mean, I definitely listen to the competition, not necessarily as the competition, just, you know, as somebody who has friends and, and colleagues and stuff who, who work there. I think, fortunately for us, we're, we're very rarely playing a game of catch-up. Actually, what we're seeing, I think, happen at a lot of other broadcasting kind of organizations is that they're moving more into the sort of stuff we've been doing you're seeing a station like kiss just as an example launch an evening show now on the weekends that is very talk led equally you know i think radio one is what is you know it's that constant struggle isn't it between like how much personality you let flow and how much music you play i think that's like a game and a challenge that we're all facing simultaneously. Fortunately, I don't think we're ever in a position where we're like, oh my God, this radio station's doing this, we need to be doing this. I like to think, at least between those three parties, we're all kind of in our own lane, doing what we're doing, and we know our own audiences quite well. I'm a huge radio geek. Indeed, on this podcast, we've had Matt Deegan from Folder. We've had uh, Andy uh, from Kiss. We, we've even had Phil Riley, who was responsible for setting, one of the people responsible for setting up the Galaxy brand. They are all people in the world of commercial radio. You've mentioned the BBC. Do you have forthright views? Does it make you pull your hair out that Radio 1 are doing Radio 1 Live? Does it? Does that frustrate you? Or do you understand that there's a public service principle and, and they're not necessarily eating your share of the cake? I personally think the BBC is really important. I think that having a public service broadcaster that is to the quality that BBC is, it doesn't just like hold us to account, it holds the whole media landscape to account. I get like when there's conversation about privatizing the BBC or putting it on like a subscription service, that sort of conversation really worries me because we look, in fact, there's a great statistic. If you look at the top 10 best-selling artists globally in any given year, about five of them will be from the UK, about two or three of them will be from Canada, and one or two of them will be from the US. And the reason for that is because the UK and Canada have public service broadcasting and the US doesn't. So I think the role that the BBC plays in the landscape could not be kind of undersold. It's critically important. In terms of your presenters, how do you work with them to get better? So almost looking at the triangular relationship with the radio station, having discussed the listeners, let's discuss your output. How do they get better? When are they too old? What's what is there a cardboard cutter, a cookie cutter way to create the perfect wizard radio presenter? There definitely isn't a cookie cutter way of doing it because I like to think all of our presenters bring something different. And oftentimes when we decide it's time to retire a show, which is something that you know, is something that we're always looking at. We're not often replacing that show with the same thing that came before it. I think, you know, one of the first things, if you were to go through the, let's call it the Wizard Radio training process, uh, one of the first things that you'll be told is that it is our joint responsibility to make sure that this show doesn't become rubbish. And it's as on the presenter as it is on us. And that we have to be like, 100% real with ourselves about what we're putting out there and this and I say to them it's also their responsibility to come to me because they're living this show every week I'm not so for me if if I think something's stale I might be four weeks later than they are thinking that thing's gone stale so it's a constant communication it's also about understanding the world that that presenter lives in because culture moves the whole time none of these things are stable and sometimes you know we, you have to look at is what 
this show represents currently or what this presenter is talking about right now, is this actually representative of the world that they are talking about? And making sure that really our presenters feel like they have the freedom within our editorial guidelines to represent their kind of little universe on air to our audience. Do you care what platform you reach people on? I mean, I'm, I'm the father of a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old that think mm. they never listen to the radio because they listen to Alexa in their bedrooms and they listen to my phone in the car. Mm. Radio for them is, it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. I think there was a piece of research that we did once when we were talking to teenagers and 60% said they didn't listen to the radio, but 65% said they identified with Radio 1. So, so the word radio... Do you reach them differently on social, on downloads? And and does that change the manner of communication? Do I care? Yes and no. We kind of have a bit of a funnel into our business through social, radio, on-demand, web content, podcasting. On the grand scheme of things, not really. As I said, we're fully appreciative that not one specific one of our products is not for everyone. So we like to be diverse and to have products that we think can reach different people. Once they're in that system, though, once they are listening to one of our contents, then we really, really care. And actually, a lot of our work in kind of a portion of our business that we call growth strategy, that's all looking at how we grow what's already there, how we kind of super serve our audience, how we build those communities rather than starting new things. And that kind of growth strategy part of the business is genuinely about 70% of the work we do on any given day. Okay, so that leads me on to my next question, which is the third part of this triangular relationship. Let's talk brands. Wizard Radio is ad-funded broadly. That's your one revenue stream. Are there others that I haven't considered? Yeah, I mean, we've got, I mean, we are ad funded. What that looks like in terms of the different modes of advertising across our products are really broad. So it could be a 30 second ad, it could be live presenter reads, or it could even be brand funded programming. All, All three of those work for you currently, correct? Yeah. And even something that we've been doing, especially since the start of the pandemic last year, is, you know, we've got this incredible production pipeline where we have you know, over across the whole business, over a hundred hours of original content across podcasting and radio. And we've realized that like, just like how Amazon started monetizing their warehouses, yeah. actually there's a, there's capacity there. So we've, we've also, without kind of like openly advertising it, we've been working with brands on production now as well. And I think the best radio stations in the country, and particularly the ones that make money are the ones that recognize that a 30-second ad can do a job for a brand, but actually, if you embed branding messages with the programming, it can be more successful. It can be more successful. You cite examples like Chris Evans's breakfast show on Virgin Radio, and he has one sponsor and no ads. Times Radio doesn't have any ads. Another big launch in terms of the radio world. And I know this to be true because Rocket have worked with you on on brand funded content. It's it's an area of growth and an, and an area you understand, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, actually, if you listen to the radio station, you won't hear a thirty second ad. Uh, that our only kind of ad spots in that way are across on demand content. So right. all of our on air content is brand. Yeah, our brand integrations as we look at it. And I think we've been really lucky with the partners we've been able to work with, including yourselves at Rocket, because we've, on the whole, there have definitely been other experiences, but on the whole, we've been fortunate enough to work with brands who 
really understand that we understand our audience and that a lot of trust and faith has been put in us, which kind of lets us do our thing. It's it's interesting, isn't it? This whole marketing world, whilst it's not changed beyond all recognition, I think the biggest process that marketeers, both agency and client side and media owner side, is about that relinquishing of control. It'll still look, smell, sound like your brand, but it will just be moulded in a slightly different way. Fair to say? Yeah, I, I always say that when we do kind of brand integrations and, and brand partnerships on air, we're actually entirely aligned because we cannot afford to produce a piece of content that our audience does not like because they'll just stop listening and that affects the whole platform. So whilst we're trying to create content that we know our audience is going to like, you're trying to engage and reach audiences. Actually, we're really, really aligned uh, in that way and in working together to find something that matches both the brand's ambition and us trying to speak to our audience and I think because we've always taken that angle and um, we've always been able to create some really great content with brands what are some of the campaigns that you're most proud of the the brand work that you've delivered you obviously don't have to mention our stuff <laughs> yeah I'm sure there are many other examples but yeah what a, give it brings to life an example that you're really pleased with yeah I, I actually take it a bit broader than that uh, we've came up with a package uh, which we call sponsored discussions which is essentially a lot of our radio shows have a kind of discussion element where by the presenters asking something of the listeners to send in messages on a topic. And uh, one of our packages is for a ba- basically a brand to take over that opportunity. And like, you know, we've done a lot of partnerships with book publishers and broader brands. We're running a campaign right now with This Is How, which is an amazing campaign run by Nominats. And just some of the conversations that have come out of that in kind of ignoring the brand bit for a moment have huh. been like just really amazing conversations with our audience that were only made possible I think because of brand that pushed us to have those conversations and then we've seen really great results for the brands because it will show to our audience that wow this brand clearly really knows and understands what we're all about the final question in this section I don't necessarily wish to end on a negative but I'm sure you will reframe it as a learning outcome and not a failure what mistakes have Wizard Radio made James? I think all of our mistakes have only ever been in just doing things that weren't truly us you know like a a long time ago a lot of these happened I think in like our early years but maybe we weren't as focused on our goal you know we tried to launch a magazine we did a like we attended that live event these things that like if you actually look at the brand universe of wizard radio actually do not make sense to our audience and to what their relationship with us is so maybe you know it maybe if i wasn't 15 years old i'd have been able to spot that from a mile off but i'm always really really grateful that i had the opportunity to make those mistakes without it being like a critical error you know we've made mistakes that i think would have sent most people homeless but ultimately didn't matter in the grand scheme of things so still here with james gilmore managing director of wizard radio we've been we've got to know james we now know a bit more about him we've got to know his business we you should now be thinking about wizard radio if you want to reach that youth audience we're now going into the rocket fuel section of the chat some actionable insights some key takeaways for our audience james first thing what do you know about young people and what's important to young people 
what I know about young people is that they are kind of to what I said earlier, it's they're not a monoculture. And to be young is to be so many things and to be interested in so many things. Uh, what we know is important to them is that when you are, especially when you're a teenager, everything is heightened and a lot of people forget that really quickly and we're seeing this a lot across social media now like being a teenager is a highly emotional experience whether that is outwardly emotional or inwardly emotional and that you have to respect that as a publisher and that you have to if you're smart i think you'll have conversations that empower listeners in that way what do you think will change about the way young people behave what what, what do you see are, are those behavior traits and how are they moving on I think it's everything is faster, quicker when they want it, how they want it. And it's our job as a publisher to be there where they expect us to be and no longer to expect them necessarily to come to us. But also with that, I think what's changing is that there's no one through necessarily one through line anymore to everybody. And that actually across marketing, you're going to have to do lots and lots of different things to reach an audience that maybe you used to be able to do one thing to reach because, you know, there are teenagers today who a large portion of which have largely rejected social media which is like so against the narrative. So I think we're going to just see more of that. I think we are in and increasingly entering a stage of culture whereby every, everything and everybody is scattered and everything feels super served. Who gets it right when talking to young people and who gets it wrong? I think to a brand that you brought up earlier, I think Kiss, are, I've been so impressed. I'm obviously kind of for transparency, we have a client in our talent business who is a presenter on Kiss. Yes. But I feel like I've kind of, for that reason, had a front row seat to what they've done. And taking that brand from where it was when my relationship with Kiss first started to Rebecca, who's the new uh, kind of head there. And genuinely, I think the really courageous step she's taken, she's taken a lot of big risks. Huge, yeah. And, and I think that it's just been really, really smart. So yeah. I think that not to bring up a competitor, but I, I genuinely it's, really... It's more genuine that you are bringing up a competitor. And particularly, they changed about the show twice since Ricky and Melvin, I think. Yeah. So... And that takes real balls. So, I mean, yeah, we, I, were, we were very tightly, tightly yeah. involved with one of those shows. And you know what? Like, as much as the morning we found out that our client was losing that show was obviously a difficult morning, I think we could all generally sit there and go, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Like, yeah. to take that brave step from them, just take, like, moving my hat as, like, a talent manager to a media owner, I was like, that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I'd agree there on everything. Finally then, James, give us one takeaway from everyone listening, either from some of the things that we've been talking about, or if my questions are being rubbish and you want to mention something else. <laughs> my number one thing that I've said a few times that underpins our entire culture at Wizard Radio across both businesses is to really understand what young people are doing. And this is an, an old phrase, but a phrase that keeps coming up in my life about once a week at the moment. But if you assume anything about this audience, you make an ass out of you and me. So... <laughs> You absolutely like cannot make assumptions about this audience. And actually, you know, in a way, it's never been easier to find out what young people are into because it's mostly all on the line. If you want to find it, it's there for you. Uh, but, the, you know, you really have to think about how you're going to communicate with them. 
If you want people to find uh, you online, James, whereabouts are you and uh, where do you want to hear from them? Sure. Obviously, our website is wizradio.co.uk. Our social media handles are at wizradio, so W-I-Z radio. And I'm just at the James Gilmore on Twitter and Instagram. Brilliant. James, thank you so much for being this week's guest on Rocky Fuel. I love a radio chat. I really admire you as an individual and everything you're doing at Wizard Radio. So it's it's good that we've we've managed to uh, get that down to a, an hour-long call. So, yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Thank you very much, James. It's been a pleasure. Fascinating, hey? Wizard Radio. I bet you feel educated. Just in case you were aware of Wizard Radio before, um, they are still as strong as they ever have been. They're, they're a great listen, really good to work with in brand partnerships, which is something we've done with Rocket uh, a few times on behalf of our clients. Um, do tune in in two weeks' time. Uh, do mention this to somebody that you think may get something out of it. And do leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, uh, if you enjoyed it. Um, I think that's it for me. Yeah, that is it for me. Uh, see you in two weeks' time. This is Rocket Audio.